Thank you for listening to the www.staggeringstories.net podcast series 1, number 5. Please listen carefully. You now have three alternatives. Alternative 1. You can believe that this podcast has only been fully edited in one small area so that it gives listeners a connection with our How to Edit a Podcast article. Alternative 2. You can believe that this podcast has only been fully edited in one small area because we wanted to give listeners an idea of how we sound without a load of careful snipping. Alternative 3. You can believe that this podcast has only been fully edited in one small area because Tony has been rather ill and hasn't had the time to do all the necessary work. Which do you think it is? Please listen to the theme tune and decide which alternative you prefer. Welcome to this, our Staggering Stories podcast. This is me, Andy. I'm Adam. I'm knackered. You who? Oh, I'm Tony. Ah. Uh, 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 Hello, yes, this is a podcast series one and number five, as you heard me saying just now, providing I've done the edit, right? Five already. Five, yes. Number five. Uh, now, it's we're going to jump straight into news. 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 I've got an MP3 player. Hooray! <laughs> Hurrah! News, Hurrah. Eh? Yes, this is highly important news. Okay. To me. And I, I, I put tunes on it. and Kicking tunes? Kicking tunes, yes. 80s tunes? Uh, not necessarily. All right. No. I mean, there's the, the, there's the soundtrack to the Leisure Hive. 80s. 80s. There's the soundtrack to Megalos. 80s. 80s. There's the soundtrack to Full Circle. 80s. 80s. There's the soundtrack to Legopolis. 80s. 80s. There's the soundtrack to Castrovalva. 80s. 80s. There's music as well. Some, there's 80s. some Ultravox. 80s. 80s. Some Billy Idol. 80s. Uh-huh. Uh, some Sinead O'Connor. It's 80s. I don't know. Uh-huh. You just threw that one into the mix. To... Yeah. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, um, but anyway, there's that. Also, uh, Adam and I went, uh, we're doing uh, these walks. It's the Crawley Walking Festival. It, it was. By the time you listen to this, it'll have come and gone and will have, well, will be collapsed. Oh, I will certainly. It's a festival, not quite sure. Festival. There's only a lot of walking involved. Yes, I'm not sure um, about festivities, but uh, it's getting walking all the sort of special little paths mm. around the area. You know, that we're taken in people, taken by people with green shirts. Are you and rucksacks and da, 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 da. there's no singing. No, 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 there's no singing. Thank God. Can you imagine them saying, "Come on, join in, Tony. Come on, join." In. No, no. <laughs> there <laughs> are laws UN are laws against that. <laughs> Not unless it's an 80s song. Um, and I have to admit, I enjoyed it today because we stopped off for a pub lunch. I had steak and I had a glass of red wine, lovely Merlot. Merlot. So I'm going to be referring to this um, throughout this podcast because uh, that was a special treat for me. Steak, proper char-grilled steak and a glass of red wine. It's come right to his head. It was luxury. Luxury? Mm. <laughs> luxury. Luxury. Uh, yep. Uh, other news. BBC have cancelled climate relief. Climate relief? Yes. Uh, the whole idea being to raise awareness about uh, climate change, which was okay. going to be the start of so, next year. Like comic relief? Uh, it was relief. being done by the BBC Comedy Department. 
Comedy department. Yes. Um, Nothing funnier than climate change. Well, no, obviously not. <laughs> but it's been cancelled because apparently it goes against the BBC's remit to be impartial. It's a highly important, the, 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 the most important issue affecting the planet today. Science issue, surely, not a politics issue, anyway. No, it's, it's the same with Make Poverty History. They got severely criticised for that. Yeah. It's, it's ludicrous. It's, again, political correctness gone mad. Loony. Mad. I thought loony. Mad. Um, <laughs> uh, talking of mad, oh God, the, the Diana hysteria started again, hasn't it? Ten mm. anniversary of her doing it, the big one, and well, oh God, she touched my life so much. Oh, I can't live without her. Oh, shut I want up. to be the Queen of Hearts. I, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> I, as I've, I, I have said, I am sorry. You know, a person died. I'm sorry. Two people died in a car crash. It, it's a sad thing, but the country went mad for a week. Emotional incontinence. Yes, quite <laughs> frankly, fuelled by the media. It's a smell. Uh, get over it. It's ten years ago. I feel sorry for the two young lads. I feel sorry for Al Fayed, who's been driven mad by grief, basically, I think. He's mad already. But, um, <laughs> you know, fopping fopper. And <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I feel, yes, I feel sorry on that, on that level. But, um, my God, she touched my life in so many ways. I never met her. None of her charity work affected me, but oh, shut up. I don't even feel sorry. I mean, that's just a, a milder form of what they're doing. It, I didn't know her. Didn't it was hysteria. It means nothing. It was she means nice hysteria. It's, it's hysteria. I don't care either way if she's dead or not. Handkerchief wiping, hand wringing, emotional incontinence. Now, something that's really terrible yeah. is the fact that in 2009, there's only going to be three specials to Doctor Who. Now, that I'm really upset about. Yeah, specials. What do they mean by special? They'll be special. Will they? they Who's will. writing these specials? We don't know yet. It better not be Russell T. Oh, uh, uh, you never know. It might be him, but it might not. not be. You mean... He'll be showrunning them. Yes, of course, producer. They're going to they're feature David Tennant. There'll be, uh, whatchamacallit, a new series, uh, series 5, sorry, not series 5, what am I joking? Series 31 uh, will be in 2010. Okay. So they're taking a bit of a break. Yeah. Mm. Um, give them a chance a to go and play Hamlet and, <laughs> ironically, Love's Labour's Lost. And, uh, yeah, well, that's roughly about it. Now, we're going to try and make sure I shut up a bit more in this podcast. We tried to cover stuff that I know less about. May not work, but we'll see. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but first of all, we've got a few little things to replace our source thingy. Where is Keith? Is Keith. Oh. Well, yes. we've sent Keith to Texas. Texas. To save the cheerleader. And save the world. And, and so, Well, maybe. Well, yes, maybe. Um, I'm sure he'll be reporting in later on. Dirty old man, I'm sure he will. Yes. Save uh, the world. We did have to resurrect him after what Adam did last time round. It was only a flesh wound. He's only on police bail. Mortal flesh wound. But he, he was... <laughs> <laughs> police bail, if you ask me. It's just not right. One thing we're going to be trying to do is we're going to try and stop me from uh, talking so much. It's an idea. Yes. So we're trying to come up with subjects I don't know much about. Oh, I thought we were going for the gaffer tape option. <laughs> no, not a gimp mask with gaffer tape. <laughs> <laughs> no more of the auto-erotic asphyxiation. Now, in the past, we've had um, sauce tasting. Yeah. And yes. We've ripped the uh, cruck out <laughs> of... Um, Denmark. No, not out of Denmark. Out of the Danish tourist board brochure. Uh-huh. Mm. Big difference here. I don't want a whole country coming charging after me because I'll just point them in, in, in your direction. Um, but anyway, Adam has come up with a rather good one for this, this particular podcast. What is it? Corporate slogans. Oh, 
And who might have a slogan like this? Gosh. We're going to have to come up with something, a slightly snappier title for that, I think. Maybe. Who lives in a slogan like this? No. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, do you want me to start on this? Go on, go on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, dear. Let's start with the bad one. Go on. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Centipods. <laughs> How about the Acid Bath Murderers, Incorporated? <laughs> Special rates for ex-girlfriends. God, no. I just want to know what happened to Plink Plink Physics. Um, uh, dear, no, that's uh, Alka-Seltzer. Oh, close enough. Um, well, yeah. uh, don't leave home without it. Incontinence pants. Uh, Smith and Wesson. I was thinking your head, your pants, brain. No, uh, no, have no. it your way. Paris Hilton. Disgruntled Husband Society. I put local brothel. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, more of those later. I think. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so it's short and sweet. We're going to get on with it because you want to talk about podcasts you have known, don't you? Through the ages. Yeah. Uh, got him. Okay. And it does go right back to February 2004. Wow. Doesn't seem long ago, but it was kind of before podcast as a phrase really came into use. There was Lug Radio. It's a, a Linux podcast. Yeah, just um, just a quick question. Why are yeah. they called podcasts? It, it's convoluted. I'm not entirely sure, but some people, particularly Adam Curry, claims that Adam Curry came up with it. Mm-hmm. He's a big podcaster. And he claims to have coined the term podcast. And it's somewhat controversial phrase, for obvious reasons. It ties into the iPod. Mm-hmm. Ah, and really, it's not iPod specific. It's any MP3 player, mm-hmm. any computer. You can burn it onto a CD and play it in lots of car radios these days and DVD players. They all play MP3. Along with the Sea Devils music. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> not now, but soon. <laughs> Never. <clears throat> uh, so, Lug Radio in particular were quite um, worried about using the term. What's Lug stand for? Lug Radio, in this case, is Linux user group. They're basically they're four chaps from the Wolverhampton Linux user group. It's the Grimly Curse. Yeah, who decided they wanted to do a podcast about Linux. Okay, which and is an open source. It keeps you awake, does it? It's uh, it's a rival to Windows, basically. Windows, you're operating. I don't, I don't mean Linux. I, I, okay. I meant the podcast. Yeah, I have listened to one. They that weren't. You made me listen to. <laughs> they weren't the first. I don't think. Their one was very much a reaction to the podcasts, as they weren't called back then. The can, can I just point something out to yeah. people Air who are listening right now? Yeah. Adam's doing little quotation marks with his <laughs> fingers every time he says podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> just that one time. Uh-huh, right. Uh, we will point this out every time you do this. <laughs> From naked on. finger puppets. TV boppers. Um... <laughs> Exclamation marks. Anyway, sorry, it was a reaction to? It was a reaction to the one or two Linux podcasts or internet radio programs that are out there already, which were very scripted, very staid, very dull. <laughs> yeah, I've heard some science fiction ones like that. Yeah. And their idea was to make it sound more like their discussions down at their Linux user group around, you know, down at the pub, as they mm, did. Fair enough. So it was very back and <laughs> as forth. As it would be. It was very much an inspiration for me when we're doing this. They are different to us in that they're 
They, they swear and blind all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll be addressing our swearing policy a little later we in the will. feedback section. We will. Yes. They're very uh, free with their uh, language, unlike us. Yeah. But it's a fun podcast. Crazy comedy capers. It, it, is, it is good fun. It's a good listen. They're four friends who get on and they argue. They have real debates. Good humoured. And there's a lot of puerile jokes going throughout the whole thing. Mm. Oh, we, we get on really well. <laughs> well <that's Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, puerility is our middle name. Uh, the uh, problem I've got, I mean, I have listened to one. It's, uh, yeah. I, it is a specialist market. It is. Oh, yeah. I mean, most podcasts are face facts. I mean, we're I've, fairly yeah. eclectic as long as it's centred around Doctor Who. Uh, it seems so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've uh, always wanted the podcast to be a slightly wider thing than that. Well, well, hopefully, well, hopefully most of the feedback we've had, everyone's coming in. That's why Doctor Who's the portal trying to do to go on elsewhere. Trying to steer so, the podcast away from Doctor Who. I mean, still retaining the element of science fiction. Doctor Who obviously would always be a central part, as it is on the site. Unfortunately. It, it, it's a portal, basically, into mm-hmm. the podcast because most of our listeners do—they either come from Doctor Who sites or, or whatever. Mm, that's right. Um, yeah, but so we'd everyone like... who comes in, to a certain extent, has uh, an interest in it. So that is the way into the podcast. Yeah, but there, I mean, our ultimate aim is to appeal to the uh, broader spectrum of science oh, fiction yes. fans. But um, that's why we're including other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But we always—that's well, I, I feel we should put at least one Doctor Who item in each podcast mm-hmm. just to keep the core audience going. Maybe we'll, we'll see how the core audience evolves. It would time. be nice if the core audience could actually give us some feedback. <laughs> yes. We have had one, one. count them, one <laughs> email, which we will be addressing later on. So anyway, like God, like Reddit, and and they're up to episode eighty-two. Do it every two weeks. Two I don't weeks. Know how they do it? Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to be doing it, mind you. You, we're, we're reading out some of the timings. I mean, we're shortening yeah. our podcast, hopefully. They certainly got over two hours occasionally. <laughs> but they've, they've got some professional audio people involved as well, though, haven't they? The, one of the main guys behind it, John O'Bacon, is a musician, and, <laughs> and it sounds really professional. It's, it's a really good sounding thing, and that's very much. I think ours is good sounding. I Ooh, wanted yeah. it to sound as good as theirs, and I think we're getting there. I think we're there already. I think I, I think we'll be hard to be beaten. The only occasional little thing we have is when all speak at the same time and it goes Never. for each channel. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, I'm, I am quite happy with mm. sound quality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go on, carry on. Unlike other podcasts, Lug Radio has actually opened up into uh, they ne- every year they now do a Lug Radio Live where the, the fans come along and meet them. Kind of mini convention, basically, which is something that I don't think we're ever do. But it's we're going to the Daleks Master Plan play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah indeed. Yes, we are going to spread the word down there. Oh. Spread something. So they've got a real Fiendish community behind them, like radio. Yes, yeah, uh, they've built up. They have. It's, it's more than the podcast now. But that that's that was my first podcast I ever heard, and it's it's quite an inspiration. Another another good one is Yivitz Mister Bubble. Ah, no, I like Yivitz Mister Mr. Bubble. Uh, there are Star Wars Galaxies, which is a massively multiplayer online game. Yes. Um, there are a Star Wars Galaxies uh, podcast. Uh, we will one day talk about Star Wars Galaxies, the game. We will. We will cover MMOs. Um, but not not tonight. No. Uh, there are a couple of good guys, and they they rip. They they know no boundaries. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, they're very light-hearted. Um, they, you know. Ostensibly, it's about Star Wars Galaxies, but in practice, it's more about the wider Star Wars. They're big yeah. Star Wars fans. And, Do uh, they like John Williams? Love John Williams. Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm not allowed to say bastards, am I? <laughs> bugger. Oh, I can't say bugger either. Crook. 
That's 50p in the swear box. 81 podcasts they're up to now, and they used to be weekly, but they've kind of gone off the boil slightly. Also, they they got disillusioned with the game they're covering. <laughs> I was kind of surprised. <laughs> but they, they are still hanging in there. They do great podcasts still, great fun. They put a lot of work in some of them. Five-minute story segments, so lots of work in to make it sound like an audio play. Lots of weird stuff like that. They take sound clips of characters speaking, and they... Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, sort of <laughs> Hello. thing. They have conversations with Star Wars characters with pre-canned. <laughs> Too they much of, time on their hands. They weird stuff. It's very good fun. I absolutely recommend it. Even if no, you're not, I, I agree totally. Even if you're not into Star Wars Galaxy's game, like their Star Wars, personalities themselves will drag you in. It's a good oh, yeah. listen. No, yeah. I, I, I've heard a few of them and they, they, yeah, recommend it thoroughly. Quality. Yeah, quality. Quality podcast. Thank absolutely. You. Go on then. Next. No, another quality podcast. Yes. Is, um, slice of sci-fi. Say that three times quickly. It's been going since about, I think, March 2005. They're up to episode 124 now, 124. They are weekly, virtue without fail. What's the quality like, the sound quality? Great. Bastard. I've got to stop saying that. (laughs) That's another 50p, Tony. (laughs) These are staying in. I can't edit these out. But uh, they actually do it in a kind of semi-professional way because Slice of Sci-Fi actually goes out on radio. Radio. <laughs> so they're, they're very controlled with their times. They're coming in at under the hour, kind of 55 minutes, something to I dream of coming in under the hour. <laughs> it's very controlled, very controlled format, unlike Lug Radio and Universe Miss Bubble, which is very free form. They have. Mm, yeah. Well, very fluid, very fluid and very free form, yeah. I should say. Well, the question is, I mean, what actually sounds better? And by sounds better, I don't mean quality wise, I mean. Content. Content wise. I mean, ours is very free form. We've got. Mm. Like, a rough idea of what we want to do in each podcast. Yes. Um, but nothing really is scripted. Yeah, we get some letters, yeah. possibly. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a feedback. chance we might make them up, but no, <laughs> no, no. Um, what do you think works better, the Evitz, Mr. Bubble, slash Lug Radio way, or the slice of sci-fi? Depends what you want. I mean, give us Mr. Bubble, Lug Radio, they're kind of entertainment. Lug Radio obviously has quite a large element of information. Techno babble. Yeah, they cover real topics. They interview real industry people, etc., etc. Whereas you've Mr. Bubble, a very much kind of fun sort of thing. Slice of Sci-Fi is about news more than anything else. They have news segments. They talk about upcoming films, TV series, news. We're going to be starting to do that as well. And they have, pretty every week, a, a fairly big interview with somebody like Robert Picardo, Amanda Tapping, etc., etc. People like that. It's... Very slick thing, yep. but it's very controlled format. But it's great for getting news. They do some good interviews with you know well-known people in the industry. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm, I should say, all right, it's entertainment, but I mean, I should say, it's bringing across the news more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, I should say, I mean, it's very, well, I wouldn't say regimented, but I mean, I should say... It's it, well, I think I would, but yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. It, it, they have certain set times per segment. Mm-hmm. And they say you're kind of running out of time in this segment. I'll be so, doing that at some stage. We should probably do that. <laughs> yeah. anyway. um, I, I have, talking of science fiction podcasts, yeah. I've listened to a few. I had to think long and hard before we started doing this podcast thing because I was a little bit dubious about how we'd come across. I was very worried that we'd come over as being a bit stilted and a little bit... We probably do, but compared no, to some, no, we're not we too bad. We're, we're, quite, we're, we're good. Uh, we we, we, we <laughs> no, bounce off each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we know no bounds. <laughs> we bounce off. Been... <laughs> Not off Shatner. God. Um, some podcasts I have heard are the labours of love very much. I mean, there's I, I don't know. There is a Firefly podcast, um, and I couldn't tell you which Firefly podcast it is. But um, I the, I listened to it and I was cringing listening mm. to it. It was 
like I say, very much a labour of love. But you could tell that we you know, the love was coming out through the voices. Somebody read out their carefully prepared essay yeah, on, um, and no it was, idea. oh no, this is oh, I bet you dress up, <laughs> you know, whilst you're doing it. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Oh, God, I've just realised what I've said. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, what you're trying to say is, I mean, okay, a podcast, I mean, it should be entertaining, informative, maybe a labour of love, but not as though it sounds like you're reading the telephone directory. Yeah, but I don't think it should be anything. I, that is my own preference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but podcasts can be anything. And certainly I was reading, oh, yeah. uh, before we started doing this, uh, Adam got the book Podcasting for Dummies. Which is a very, very good little book. Co-written by one of the guys who did Slice of Sci-Fi. Ah, fair dues. And you can podcast about anything. Anybody can podcast. About oh, yeah. Anything there are sort. thousands, tens of and, thousands And, and people, you know, there, there is a market for them somewhere down the line, even if it's just your mum tuning in just to be happy. Um, <laughs> but my own personal take, I like something a little bit more freeform, a little bit more... Off the cuff. Less worthy, <laughs> less... Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly true. Some are over-prepared. And... Not just over-prepared, but over-earnest. Yeah. And I, I, I find that a little bit cringy, to be honest. Yeah, though, to be fair, those Firefly podcasts were incredibly popular. They they were topping the polls. At the yeah, but Firefly was incredibly and... popular back it then. It was. I um, should imagine the Heroes ones nowadays are. It's quite funny, actually. The BBC Seven are running a 15-minute podcast, mm-hmm. Heroes, on the weekends. Yeah. And it, it's hilarious. They're trying, basically sort of saying, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about that? What do you think could be happening here? So, <laughs> most people have already seen it on Sky. They yeah, know. Yeah, know. <laughs> that brings up an interesting point, because the Firefly podcast, I believe, effectively recorded their own segments on their own kit. And sent them as MP3 files or something to somebody to put ah, together. Now, interesting you say that. Go on, but go on. The three I've already mentioned, like Radio Evitz, Miss Bubble, and Sci Fi, they're all in the same room when they record, as we are. No, we're not. <laughs> Apart I from am... Keith, who obviously we sent off. But... Yeah, well, we sent up, <laughs> up the every week. Um... Uh, and that makes a big difference. Yeah. Which kind of brings me on to uh, Podshock, which I know you've have. I, I've have listened, listened to, I've to. listened to a few Podshocks. Now, Podshock's the. It's not the official. Doctor Who podcast, because that is essentially the DVD commentaries they put up on the... Well, they're not DVD commentaries. They never turn up on DVDs. They are yeah, they're... episode commentaries. Yes, that's that's a better way of putting it. But Podshock is apparently the most popular Doctor Who. It's one the most of the big-name internet people are behind. Yeah. Uh, Outpost Gallifrey, uh, which yeah. we take our hat off and hold over our chest and say, farewell then, Outpost Gallifrey. Indeed. Yes, yeah. falling that's... apart at the seams. Deliberately so. Sean sure, Lyon yeah. basically doesn't have the time to run it anymore. So it's splitting into, I think, three different segments. Doctor Who News, Doctor Who Forum, and something else that uh, I can't remember. Uh, I but, uh, no, the uh, Gallifreyan Embassy, apparently. Uh, yes. American people do Podshock. Well, there's two Americans and a Brit, yes. fortunately. Yep. And it's it's not bad. It could do with an edit. It, yeah. It, it could Particularly do... more in recent times. Yep. Uh, their sound, the sound quality's not too bad, though. I think sometimes... They've got. They do something wrong with the MP3 compression. Obviously, they're spread across two different continents. Yeah, they're not in the same. Room. They need to take time to give it a po- an, a polish edit. Yeah. It's just to shorten gaps between mm-hmm. the stuff and just to give it a little bit more pace, a little bit more oomph, and possibly I don't know from what I've heard of them, be a little bit less worthy. A li- you know, enjoy themselves a little bit more. Hmm. I, I, but I, I, I could be theme. wrong. I mean, this is just my own personal taste. A lot of people love Podshock, and I, I enjoy it. I, I listen to it. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it's and I mean, the most recent one they had an interview with Cornell. I haven't heard that one yet. Oh, oh dear, it's just 
fun poking corner with a stick, see what happens. <laughs> it's weird, doesn't it? I think they were a little I mean, bit star, starstruck in all things. Yeah, it's hard to listen to Cornell be interviewed because we, we know we, him. We know yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a case of, I remember before you were famous, yeah, young man. Exactly. <laughs> That's enough of that nonsense. But I mean, in all fairness, he hasn't changed. He's still himself. It's just oh, yeah. it's other people's reactions around him that have changed, <laughs> uh, which is, like I say, it's quite funny. But anyway, Podshock. Thank you. And he's giving me a stern look. Yes. Podshock is one a bit like you was Mr. Bubble where they where they've got off the boil a bit. They used to be weekly, but they've Well they 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 did a live one, didn't they, when they were watching the actual series? During the series they did live ones every week. Yeah. So they're back to doing weekly, but now they've fallen back into doing one every three or four weeks. But I mean, we ourselves know just how difficult it is. It is. But I say it needs that edit. I think it's good, but it needs an edit. They slightly lost their enthusiasm for it. I think I they're, up to, they're up to ninety-one episodes. Ninety-one mm. episodes. That's very, very good. I mean, this is just our fifth. Well, yeah. I say our fifth. I mean, kind of. It's sort of <laughs> our fifth. Technically, it's only our fourth recording. Fourth recording session. Yeah. Anymore. Uh, another one I want to mention, which is completely unlike the others, is Escape Pod. Right. Never heard of it. Skateboard. <laughs> and this is actually an anthology series of stories. Ah, right. Every week, a new story comes out. It's, it's just read by one person. It's not a full cast thing. But okay. Basically, Steve Ely, the guy who fronts it, uh, pays real money to writers for the rights for their story to be podcast and releases it under Creative Commons so you can copy it, redistribute it for free. Hmm, fair deuce. It's absolutely fantastic. Great idea. No, no, fair deuce. And uh, they're great stories as well. He has a very stringent... Criteria. Criteria, yeah. It's well worth a listen. And he obviously asked for donations to, to pay yes, for it. Yes, yes. It's well worth supporting. Fair deuce. I will mention a couple of others. You've yeah. got the Tin Dog podcast. Not heard that one. No, um, I haven't Shoot heard your dog thing. that. <laughs> yeah. There's also, of course, the Tachyon TV lot. I heard one of theirs, I think. Those crazy guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Are they Danish? Not that crazy. Nobody's that crazy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just a shout-out to them. Yeah. Basically. Another couple of uh, just uh, shout-outs rather than properly go into. Is Skepticality. I've heard that. They ripped Derek Agora apart. They did. <laughs> oh, that was just... <laughs> they cherished it. that. <laughs> Charlotte and Agora. Yes. Yeah, they uh, very much into outing bizarre theories and religion. And, and talking to Richard Dawkins, yes. Yeah, yeah and they, they interview the likes... Of James Cornell, Andy, people oh, like that. Great. Cornell's a skeptic. Yeah, I'm a skeptic. I mean, it's, it's great stuff. Them debunking all this, this rubbish. <laughs> I still say it's a very cold universe you live in. Oh, it's fun. I think there's magic in the world. So does Paul Daniels. Oh, yes. a lot, a lot. Um, <laughs> oh God. Oh, I have control over the edit of this. We know Paul Daniels here. <laughs> See, you're loving Debbie McGee though. Um, <laughs> I so still tell was... me, why did you marry millionaire Paul Daniels? <laughs> <laughs> and the other one I just want to quickly mention is Virgin Worlds, which is an MMO this podcast. Is what, convention thingy? Mm, almost. <laughs> it's from <laughs> MMOs. Uh, basically, it's a news, yep. MMO news thing. Fair enough. It's very professionally done. Gits. It's just the one man, basically. So I've got visions of a one-man band now going through my... Don't know why. So if I dig is another one-man show. Yeah. Both these are, are great, though. You think one-man show kind of dull? Well, I mean, listen to my musings. Waffly, rambling, <laughs> nonsense. We're sick of links to all this stuff. Yep. Uh, so you'll be able to basically look at our blog roll. Uh, yep. I think it's got egg in it. And Not steak. You'll have, you'll, Ham. There, we always put a list of essential links. Yeah. Stuff that we've mentioned in... Uh, any particular show we'll try and give a link to so at least try and listen to some of these podcasts even if you know any that might particularly 
take your yeah. cake. I highly recommend all the ones I've mentioned. Yes. So, who would turn around and say, hmm, hmm, good. Yoda food slimted? <laughs> I, I've got local brothel again. It's <laughs> um, a running theme here yeah. somewhere. We'd like to teach the world to sing. I, I, well, I'm afraid that that's McFadden Publishing. Shatter and Nimoy. <laughs> Anna Jones. Anna Jones. <laughs> okay. We it's bring good things to life. Alcor Cryonics. I've got Dead Doctors Society or the Restoration Team. Frankenstein Industries. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve a break today. That's the NHS. Plaster in Paris. Lone Marketing shot. Association, yeah. Yep. <laughs> the best a man can get. Relatable yeah. Dolls Limited. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ah, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Ladies, gentlemen, and small furry creatures from Alpha Centauri and the occasional hermaphrodite hexapod. <laughs> Uh, do uh-huh. you care for me to say Raxacorico Falipatorium? No. Because no. I can. can even after a glass of red wine with my steak. And mushrooms. <laughs> and mushrooms, yes. Indeed. And onion rings. It's Doctor Who. Oh, no. No. We're going to be covering an unearthly child. I mean, why not? After all, that's how it all started. <laughs> Oh. oh dear god that was such a fake crow <laughs> <laughs> I never fake it <laughs> right okay well we'll be finding out about that later um, we're going to talk about an unearthly child any particular one uh, yes Susan English no sorry uh, Gillian who no um, Susan Foreman ah uh, yes yes now Adam uh, borrowed the DVD to watch it did and took so long, yeah, that neither Crumbly nor myself got a chance to rewatch it. <laughs> True, but luckily Adams made notes. Oh, dear. Uh, so pages and pages of stuff I cannot read. It's in my handwriting. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, the quick explanation to those that don't know: An Unearthly Child is the very first Doctor Who story, which mm-hmm. was broadcast back in November 1963. Indeed, black uh, and white. That's to any Star Trek or Stargate fans out there. That's November 1963. Yep. Not a very good month for JFK. Uh, Well, it was broadcast the day after the assassination. Yeah, he didn't really die. Well, he's living with Elvis and Tupac Shakur. And and Prince Diana. And and Princess Diana. Oh, God. And the head of Pertwee. Anyway. (laughs) Well, he's living here. This explains a lot. Well, I wouldn't say living... (laughs) <laughs> Mouldering, festering, festering. <laughs> Scullying. Now, uh, again, context, gentlemen, context. Mm. There was no Doctor Who before this. No. Nobody knew what, well, apart from the crew, nobody knew what Doctor Who was. I argue perhaps even they didn't know at that time. Really. Well, they weren't 100% certain. They just had some notes from Bunny Webber and uh, Sidney Newman, and they had a rough idea. Mm. But, um,. It certainly isn't the same Doctor Who it is now. Oh, very much. Well, no. But, I mean, it, it changed. Even, I mean, even It changed later on, even during the Hartnell era. No. Slowly. It, you know, I, I mean, as soon as um, bleh, Edge of Destruction happened, the <laughs> character of the Doctor was softened. Now, we'll come to uh, the first episode that was broadcast in a moment. Yeah. But before it was broadcast, they uh, recorded a um, an unbroadcast it wasn't even a pilot. It just wasn't good enough to be shown. So the creator, Sidney Newman, um, turned around and said, go away, do it again. 
I'm not quite sure why. <clears throat> Trending wasn't on the on the commentary. He really explained why. It didn't seem that different. Okay, the emphasis, the Doctor was quite a bit different yes. as a pilot to in the final aired version. But there's no quality problem that I could really see. Well, the, Some you've seen... shoddy camera work. Yes. That, you know, that's pretty common with any Doctor. Um, oh, back in 1960. Did you watch all the footage? Or did you just watch all five episodes, as it were? I believe I watched all the footage. Yeah, because uh, there's also a section which showed all the studio footage as well from the pilot recording. So yes, we got I the pilot, the un did recording. see that, and they reshot um, the last ten minutes of that. I don't know, but basically it got shown to Sidney Newman, and he just turned around and said, do it again. Hmm. He wasn't happy with it. And hmm. he gave him a list of notes, for example, the softening of the Doctor's character. Yes, that that's the most evident difference. But, I mean, think about it. There was no Doctor Who. Nobody knew what this thing was. No. Um, Kennedy's just been shot. Yes. And people were obviously having Princess Diana problems. Really? In that, oh, my God, Kennedy's been shot. He really touched my life. Um, Did anybody really no. care in Britain? I don't know. Oh, God, we're getting, it's the age-old thing. Where were you when Kennedy was shot? I think I was being conceived. Texas, I think, yeah. I don't need that mental image. <laughs> um, but, um, <laughs> this is traumatic. Is it? <laughs> and it's, you know, as it was, it got repeated the following week. But What, the assassination? He stuck the corpse back in the car. And... <laughs> <laughs> got a very good dry clean sponge of blood stains off Jackie O's. Ladies and gentlemen, I actually have to put up with this every bloody week. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um... So this, they wipe clean the seats of the car. Yeah, no, <laughs> meanwhile, now on BBC One, um, <laughs> and you get this lozenge streak of uh, white light going up the screen, mm. and which slowly this bizarre music, which isn't really it's far too organic to be electronic, mm -hmm. and yet it's not instrumental music, proper instruments. So it's bizarre music. These bizarre images of pulsating lights and patterns and whatever. Yeah. And then Dr. Oho comes up on the screen. Sorry, <laughs> Dr. Who. Oho. <laughs> yeah, with the um, title sequence. So, because they'd, to bring it up to make it symmetrical, they'd flipped it through, so O-H-O. Mm, yeah. O-H-O. Oho. Really? Yeah. And then they fade in Who, the W. Oh, okay. Well, never if you watch the title sequence, you'll see yeah. it's Dr. Oho, and then becomes Dr. Who. Oh. <laughs> And so just imagine this, you know, so it's on a cold, foggy November evening in the 60s. This is before hippiedom and everything else like that. This is still the fag end of the 50s, essentially. Mm -hmm. And this bizarre thing comes on. And it's a superb, it's even to this very day, I think it stands the test of time. Very, as a piece of television drama, especially as an introduction to a new series. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly a lot pacier than I expected. Yeah. Yeah, I I'd never seen it before, but it was I expected it to be very slow, ponderous, not going very fast, but it actually rattled along quite quickly. Yes. I was quite surprised. It's very it much that it uh, to say it's, it it's all you could tell with uh, um, the uh, with series twenty seven, the first episode of that twenty seven. Yes, yeah, so with the first episode, Rose. Okay. Which wasn't 27. Shut up. <laughs> I am surrounded by pedants. Yeah. Delusionists, I think. <laughs> but, I mean, you could tell Russell T. Davis had basically gone back to an unearthly child to see how they did it. 
I don't know about that. Well, I, well, it must have been his memories of an unearthly child. Quite simply, because the setup's the same. It's based around the companions. Yeah. Going through, finding the police box. Whereas the McGann movie, which had to reintroduce the concept, yep. started off in the TARDIS. Scarra, I think, actually. Shut up. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. It, 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 it got it asked about tip. Maybe. In fact, one thing I looked, the difference between uh, the pilot and the Ed version is how quickly the Doctor turns up. Oh. Write it down the times. Yeah, go In the pilot, 13 minutes 38, yeah. over halfway into the programme before the Doctor shows up. In the transmitted version, it's two minutes earlier, it's 11.39 minutes. So, there we go. it's a heck of a long way in before you see the Doctor. Yeah, mm. the whole idea is to, because remember, the Doctor's the anti-hero. A- Ian Chatterton, sorry, Chesterton, is the hero. Yeah. Um, Barbara, the heroine. Yeah. Uh, Susan, the young girl who get them into trouble <laughs> with a weird space dancing. Yes. <laughs> What's that all about? Was she on drugs? John Smith and the common men. Uh, <laughs> the what men? Common men, or is it the coal men? We just don't know. Who can we believe? I thought you said the colon men. So about John Smith, wasn't it? Yes. Well, that was a bit odd. I heard that name in there. Yep. Um, I won't go wheel in space. Um, but so uh, yeah. It, I think it's an incredibly strong opening episode. It was particularly good, actually. Um, Surprise! A note very quickly about the restoration team's work on it. For such archive material, uh, they've done a fantastic job. I mean, this is recorded in one of the smallest in the old Lime Grove studios, which were mm. tiny. They they didn't have much going for them. Um, mm-hmm. With uh, Studio D, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, with the, oh come on, equipment, facilities—that's the word I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, they that's did it. say they had ancient lighting rigs. Yeah, dreadful old. And it's, so, in other words, it was done on a shoestring. Oh well, well sort of. Uh, it wasn't given the full support of the BBC. Um, most of the BBC departments hated it, mm. uh, <laughs> which tended to last through helped. Um, individual people might have enjoyed working on it. But department policies was they hated it. I mean, the children's department hated it because they re- thought that they should be making it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was the drama department. It was the drama. It always yeah. was the drama department that made it, and it's which gives rise to the fact that everybody turning around saying Doctor Who isn't a children's program; it's a drama program. Yeah, no, it is a children's program. It's just made by the drama department. Yeah, it's a family program. Yeah, it's interesting bit. Say they lost in between going from the pilot to the final thing. Something about Susan being born in the 49th century. Yes. Which I thought was odd. They vagued it up a bit after that. They did. <laughs> that, it, clearly they had very different ideas of who the Doctor was back then and what he finally became through the evolution of the series. Well, if you're interested, I'll lend you, I think it's the Edge of Destruction DVD, which has a documentary about the creation of the show. Hmm. Um, in case people are wondering, you can pick up An Unearthly Child along with The Daleks, which is the first Dalek story, and The Edge of Destruction, which are the first three Doctor Who stories in a box set called mm-hmm. The Beginning. Uh, they're in black and white. They're superbly restored, both visually and soundtrack. Yep. Um, they come with a comprehensive range of extras. And it's it's well worth getting as a piece of archive TV. Mm. Another thing which they certainly, towards kind of the J&T era, they, t- they kind of forgot completely is the fact that Susan claims to have been the Doctor's granddaughter. 
something which they're starting to pick back up on now in the new series. Uh, well, JNT had this. In fact, if you listen to uh, Time Flight and Arc Infinity, yeah. JNT had a morbid fear of. Um, in fact, I think we even went back as far as Graham Williams, maybe even further. I don't Probably, know. Probably, yeah. But it's a case of where do little time lords come from? Mm. Um, Peter Davison wasn't even allowed to touch his companions unless it was dramatically necessary. Mm. In case mm. it could be inferred. There's the old, old hackneyed phrase of no hanky panky in the TARDIS. So, how does. Apart from Magic's thought... rubber pajamas. Well, yeah. But that. <laughs> you always kind of got the feeling that they intended you to think that when it came with Colin Baker and Perry, though. Mm. Could you see Colin and Nicola getting it on? No. <laughs> Don't know. Yeah, but I think I think throughout the entire series, I mean, the Doctor was supposed to be an avuncular figure towards his his companions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting to see how the character changed over the years. The the, the Doctor in particularly in the pilot, but even in the aired version of Unearthly Child, is completely different to the Doctor as we know him now. Completely different. I mean, well, people say they they might. He was be a very young man back then. <laughs> they might say they were inspired by the first Doctor the second Doctor etc but you know he's not the same character no. I mean, the, the first Doctor wasn't there to save the world he was just seemed to most of them most of the plots tended to be rely upon them trying to get in cut off from the ship yeah and having to get back mm. yeah and encounter having to go through the various problems yeah in, on, that, yeah. on that way um one thing which I thought was a wonderful, wonderful sort of omen for what was to come during the, for the rest of the Hartnell era yeah. was in that very first episode, there's a Billy Fluff. <laughs> a Billy Fluff. Not a particularly funny one. No, it's yeah. not, but um, he sets the ship in motion and they're staggering around going, ooh, and it's a case of Hartnell goes, get back to the ship child. Ah. You're in... There's somebody showing the set, for Christ. And what a set that is. In all fairness... You could see the uh, the fabric backdrop on my yes. yes, but that's on the DVD. Again, context. Maybe. Dodgy little black and white TV from the 1960s. Mm, Magpie electrics. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Perhaps. And you wouldn't have been able to see that as much. I wouldn't Maybe, have thought. Maybe, I don't know. Um, and, no. And, I mean, one, th- one thing is great, that... The, no time rotor since, or central column, because the time rotor at that point was on the actual console itself. Um, oh, I'm a pedant. But ever <laughs> since the uh, Pertwee uh, console, mm-hmm. uh, with the flashing lights inside, that original console is able to rotate. The interior uh, okay. workings are able to rotate. Once they got rid of that, it wasn't able to. No console since has done that. Really? Except the curse of fatal death. Um <laughs> Okay. It's over enthusiastic. Yes, I um, was pumping thing. Uh, the, yeah, I did uh, notice that it was going up and down in rather um, yes, was it phallic <laughs> manner? It, it was really going for it. Uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I mean, it, I fair dues. I mean, like Verity Lambert was really pissed off about. Sorry, Verity Lambert was really cracked off about the um, about the set. She wasn't that happy with it. She thought that she'd been done over basically by. With the Peter Brachetti, I can't pronounce his surname, and I do apologise. No, uh, they they did in fact have a different designer for the actual broadcast. Yeah, version. I did say they had a real falling out. <laughs> um, and he just took what had been 
um, yeah. gun. Uh, there's interesting things about the set. For example, the huge hexagonal power unit, mm -hmm. which is uh, from the ceiling, hanging from the ceiling. That was just too much to manhandle every week mm -hmm. or whatever. And I mean, it did get shifted around a little bit and shrunken, and mm -hmm. but it's still it's, it's still a wonderful and the, the central conceit of running into this police box. <laughs> and you know, oh my God, it's bigger on, on the, the inside, inside than the outside. outside. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's many firsts in there. <laughs> Strangely, um, <laughs> it's 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 yeah, it's a fantastic. It, it's especially put in context. It's a brilliant, brilliant piece of television. It's. Mm. Have you got anything else about the first episode? What well, what was the, when they first dematerialized? Yes. In the pilot, it, the TARDIS did it to protect the Doctor. It appeared. No, he set it in motion. You sure? Because he was being attacked by a... He still managed to... Did he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But in the uh, the Ed version... In the Ed version, it's only, isn't it, only Susan who stops him. Tries to stop him. And in the pilot, it's all of them. Uh, I forget. I, it seemed to me that the TARDIS was trying to protect the Doctor. That's how it seemed to me, anyway, in the pilot. But in the final one... The doctor hit the wrong switch or something. Or they deliberately set the thing in motion. Yeah, he kidnapped him, gave him a straight up whoosh, uh, yeah. like uh, runaway bride takeoff, mm -hmm. just to screw mm -hmm. up Chatterton and, and and Miss Wright. Yeah, it's very strange that first dematerialization, all the weird title sequence stuff. They well, they were trying. They were, they were trying to ex you know g explain the journey and. Tell the story and just show, you know, look, this is science fiction, it's a bit odd. Uh -huh. This is what is happening. You can, you know, it's time and space. It's, it, it was a visual way of telling things. Yeah, obviously, they dropped that entirely after, immediately well, after. They did. Yeah, it got a bit <laughs> dull, but it was, it, it was, a, it was a, almost a set piece. Hmm. And it, 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 was, it was very, very, I thought, very good. Hmm. It's a bit strange how it's completely different to any other dematerialization. After it, yes, he knocked out the two humans. <laughs> I still say Harnell did it deliberately. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's a crabby old git. <laughs> Next. Oh, that's it, really. Ah, fire will destroy us all in the end. And London's burning. <laughs> uh, you shall not make fire, old mother. Wasn't she wonderful? Who's an old mother? Old mother <laughs> Hubbard. No, from 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 the tribe of gum. Tribe of gum. Tribe what was that called? Was it? No, I don't believe so. Cave of skulls. The fire maker. Forest of fear. Forest of fear. Yes, that's right. But uh, yes, the petrified forest. I was quite disappointed with these three after the pilot. They were a bit dull. They, they were. The, the pilot was good, kind of Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. These three were caveman politics. Yeah, uh, <laughs> basically. I mean, fair dues. I mean, they played it for real as best you could. Yeah, obviously, one thing: all these were recorded effectively live, so they were running. intents and purposes, yeah. They were running between sets. The only kind of cut you might have was when they yeah. go in between sets. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's it is a little bit. I mean, there's a couple of interesting points in there. In there, I mean, the Doctor smokes. Yeah, um, and he's off looking for his specimens, everything else mm -hmm. like that. He starts to light up a pipe, right. and which mm -hmm. is why Cal jumps on him mm -hmm. to, ah. to say, "He, I saw him make fire." Oh yes, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, learned again, did he? He learned think? his lesson. <laughs> oh yes, smoking can seriously. You see, every packet of cigarettes should come with its own caveman. 
Well, to jump on you from behind. Yes. <laughs> uh, we know where your mind is. Uh, of course, you've got the old thing of eh, Doctor Who. Yes. That is interesting. It wasn't until the second episode of the series actually made plain that the Doctor's name is not Foreman. Or Doctor Who. Or Doctor Who, for that matter. Yes, unless you believe the war machines. Yeah, so Doctor Foreman is not his name. Doctor Who is not his name, despite the credits. <laughs> so I never quite explained why Susan was still Foreman. Presumably Susan is... Susan took real... the name from the gates. Okay, presumably Susan isn't her name either. Don't know. Why not? That's not a very Gallifreyan name, is it? Well, it could be Susan... Bobble Bibble Lungbaramus. So it was just a pseudonym. And like I say, depending on who you believe, and we're retconning here, she might be one of the original Gallifreyans (laughs) from the time of Rassilon. In fact, could be the other's granddaughter. Yeah. (laughs) That can't have pretty much washed away, doesn't it? Uh, Well, yes, yes, it has, which is a shame. I like the loom idea. But, uh, what the hell? Anyway, that's nothing to do with... Uh... No, 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 not at all. <laughs> uh, like I say, I'm having to rack my brains now. Yeah. Uh, you're the one who had the DVD. Well, I've got down here that uh, the Doctor is kidnapped for a change. Yes. <laughs> Which it goes to show again how different the Doctor was back then. He, Doctor <laughs> Zachary Smith. Um, he, he, <laughs> yeah. You know, he was the anti-hero to say. Uh, I'm not sure hero at all. Oh. Anti-hero is kind of... Chatterton was was the the hero, yeah, the young man, Chesterfield, whatever his name is. Here. Yes, the inconspicuous companion of the first. Time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even as far as I don't know if it's if it's in on the it, well, uh, in those first four episodes, I but certainly even so. in, as far as the Daleks, it's it starts off with him getting the name wrong. Yeah, and I'm not sure he ever says his name. Well, it doesn't say very much. Was, he often stuff. says Chesterton. Does he? I don't remember yeah. it, but anyway. But, um, yeah, it's fun. I mean, what's the next? You've got Forest of Fear. Forest of Fear, and this is, I think, this is where you really notice the the change of studio. Some of it was clearly recorded on film. In a Elstree. Location, yeah. Yes. And it is so blatant. Yes. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> but, I mean, it used to be very blatant anyway, going from studio to... To um, uh, location location shoot, uh, all the way through up to well, the series. The series, yeah, because yeah, because they filmed it on video. Well, no, the McCoy era, and in fact, from the last Colin Baker era, it was all done on video. Everything was shot on video. Yes, um, I prefer film personally. It yeah, spearhead from space, and they're all done on film. yes, and that does look better for it. Yes, the head of Pertwee have met falling <laughs> in a cow pat. <laughs> in a cow pat. In a cow pat. Yes. No arms, just lick it off, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a very interesting thing in the Forest of Fear. There is. Apart from a saber toothed tiger. Um, a flash was up. the Doctor going to kill Zar? Oh, brilliant names. Yeah, probably. You reckon? Not just knock him unconscious? Or do you think he was going to ask him to draw the way? As he claimed. Uh, oh, no, that was I, that was clearly not what he was going to do. Remember, the Doctor was a very selfish character. Yeah. In these first... In the, in the first... Hang on a second. There. Four and seven is eleven. Plus two. What? Thirteen. First thirteen episodes. 
Okay. Uh, the Doctor is a very selfish character. And why does he change something? Uh, it's because of the Edge of Destruction, um, okay. which is the story after the Daleks. Um, if you remember, moving on very slightly, which shouldn't do, but... Uh, Context. The Doctor, yeah, the Doctor um, kidnaps uh, Barbara and Chatterfield because um, yeah. he's scared of being discovered. Yeah. He also has a huge superiority complex. Yep. Which so McFadden does, but <laughs> rightly so in this case. Um, so you've got that. Um, you've got the fact he was going to kill anything to protect himself and Susan. Yep. He, he was going to kill Zar. Mm-hmm. Um, he hadn't learnt morality, which yeah. is something I've been trying to sort of bring into, which we did bring into the Buccaneer Chronicles. Yeah. Maybe, possibly, we shall see, um, without giving the game away. Um, then the Daleks, it's. Down, it's thanks to the Doctor that all the... It, the fan. Yeah. Uh, he sabotaged the console uh, to make sure, to get his own way to go and visit the city mm-hmm. without realising that there was all the radiation around and everything else. Like, he's the one who got him into trouble. Okay. And then Edge of Destruction, um, basically, uh, without giving the... Oh, so I'll give the game away. I'm sure you, people already know. Uh, he hits a switch... Uh, which takes them back in time. The whole idea is called the fast return switch. Yeah. And the idea being mm. to retrace the last journey. Uh-huh. But the switch gets stuck. How convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Daleks finishes and destruction starts with this huge explosion on the ship and everybody gets knocked unconscious and they're all concussed and this, that and the other. <laughs> and they're all suspicious of each other. What the hell's going on? Is there a presence on board the ship? What the hell, you know... What is happening here? And yep. it gets to the point where Hartnell loses it big time. Decides he's just going to throw in Bar- Ian and Barbara off the ship completely. Okay. And he's proved wrong. Mm-hmm. And he suddenly realises that these two humans have actually got some worth to them. Okay. And mm-hmm. Barbara gives him a good tongue lashing, basically. Um, <laughs> Lucky devil. And from that point <laughs> onwards, they start to mellow the character out a little bit. Presumably this is a direct... A note from high upon high, particularly after the change in the pilot, mm. softening the character. It so certainly much. seemed that way. Yeah, yeah it so could be. Plus, I mean, how after that. sustainable would it have been with him? You know, every week. Oh, what's he going to do this week to get them into trouble? Oh, mm. he became <laughs> he then became the hero. Yeah, in a he, anti-deluvian he, way. He started to become the doctor that we know now. Yes. There was a little bit of character development. Yeah. Uh, up to a point. In fact, it's interesting you mentioned that he was afraid he kidnapped the school teachers because he was afraid they'd tell. Mm. Yeah. In the pilot, he kidnapped them because he was afraid the knowledge that the ship exists would yes. contaminate them. Yes. A very different reasoning in the pilot to the final yes. thing. That's, that's a good point. It's the sort of thing he doesn't worry about at all nowadays. <laughs> ah, well, he's the Lord of Time. Yeah. He doesn't Arrogant. care if people see his ship so much nowadays. In fact, who hasn't? <laughs> Quite. <laughs> ah, it's on all the bloody Woolworth shelves. Anyway, um, <laughs> so we, I think we enjoyed the Unearth- Unearthly Child. How much more you got there? You got Not much. Not much. Do you mention? Yeah. Before I start waffling on about the theme tune. <laughs> Again, <laughs> no. Just basically to say that, um, as mentioned already, that the three cavemen one were very different and much slower pace than the, the yes. unearthly child episode, and that I think unfortunately became a bit of a model for 
lot of the early Doctor Who's somewhat slower, wordy. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I just, for the record, prefer the theme tune used in the part, the unaired version. I did notice which slight is the kind of thundercrack. Not just the thundercrack. One of the bass notes is out. Um, I didn't notice that. Uh, well, it is. Uh, um, I, I they they recorded two versions of the theme tune. Um, a good version and a dodgy version. Why? And, just for fun of it? No, I think they recorded the dodgy version. Thought, mm, let's have another crack at it. Ah, okay. And put it. I say recorded, created, realized. <laughs> I think they had all the stuff there. They just put it. You know, did the final another final mix on it. Okay. To get it right, and for the unaired version, they put the wrong one on. Uh, Again, I will point you to point people to Mark Ayres' excellent history of the theme tune on his website. <laughs> uh, I actually prefer the slightly wonky one. I just think it just gives it that extra organic, extra humanity to it, rather than just being just chugging away quite happily without mistakes. Mm-hmm. This thing's got mistakes, and it just it appeals to me more. Because you like mistaken things, broken things. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, it's just, yeah, it just feels better. Okay. <laughs> there is one thing that I, 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 I quite like, oh, yeah. um, especially towards the end, when they're running through the forest. Running? Yes, well, they're running oh, on running. the spot. Yes, yes blatantly. <laughs> um, the stagehands whipping them and throwing stuff at them. I think they enjoyed whipping the, yes. the girls, yes. particularly. Well, it's interesting you I say that. I, I mean, in the future, you know, would crews very much enjoy throwing stuff at Doctor Who's leading man. In such places such as Metabilis 3. Right then, moving on. Every little helps... Midget Slaves Incorporated. Well, I've got um, better the... than a trained chimp. <laughs> <laughs> I've got any large home for retired comedians. Pick <laughs> <laughs> me to it. <laughs> Ready? Oh God, fools seldom differ again. <laughs> I'm loving it. Scientology. <laughs> Welsh Sheep Farmers Association. Local brothel. Ah. Let your fingers do the walking. Adams Family. <laughs> Michael Jackson Incorporated. <laughs> Local brothel. No. Uh-huh. Does exactly what it says on the tin. Rats I'm the real coal. Barry Scott. <laughs> I've got Zenical. Flesh Eating Supplies Limited. <laughs> <laughs> There's one here. Think different. It's differently. Uh, George Bush. <laughs> Arkham Asylum. <laughs> Oh dear. Now then, this is the bit where I'm going to try and shut up. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, that tea? Uh, Crumbly. Yes. You wish to talk to us about the works of Alan Dean Foster. Yes, that's right. Uh, this is going to be very highbrow, isn't it? I wouldn't say that. Oh, Who is he and why is he? Who is he and why is he? Uh, well, in a nutshell, he's one of my favourite science fiction authors. I mean... Uh, what I was planning on doing was um, having a seg- semi-regular feature on on uh, this podcast about, um, say, Which authors who, who've influenced me, yeah, whose works I find very interesting and very readable. Excellent. Okay. William mm. Shatner. Apart from William Shatner. Does he Don't write? like Tech War? He didn't write that. <laughs> <laughs> you said it wrong. It's got to be Tech. 
Tech war. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go on. What is it good for? <laughs> Absolutely uh, nothing. Lots of money. <laughs> we digress. <laughs> Always. Yes. Well, I first got into uh, Alan Dean Foster uh-huh. uh, when the first uh, Alien film came out. Obviously, I was too young to go and see the uh, film itself. But um, I bought the novelisation when it came out, and that was written by the great man himself. I've got that on my Indeed. bookcase. Not your mm-hmm. copy. I have it up on the bookcase <laughs> uh, somewhere. Yeah, I think yes. I can see it up there. Can you like it? Yes, and I mean, I find his works very accessible, very enjoyable to read. And, well, he is a very intelligent, very articulate writer. Is he the Terence Dix of... No. <laughs> <laughs> I only really know him for his novelisation. You mentioned Aliens. Mm, that's it, yeah. He's done the recent Transformers Transformers, that's right, yes. And one thing I didn't know is he co-wrote... Adam's Here we go again. just doing his little <laughs> um, speech marks, speech marks thing. Yeah. He wrote the Star Wars novelisation. Well, that's on wiki. You don't know how quite... There's a how... quote from him in, uh, in there, actually, saying mm, yes, he didn't right. mind George Lucas mm-hmm. taking the credit. Ah. Mm, I mean, that's very true. I mean, the Journal of the Wills. That's it. I mean, well, he was quite happy to ghostwrite him for um, George Lucas and oh. his throat. to <laughs> <take> the... <laughs> I had no idea that he'd written that. I just always assumed mm-hmm. it was George Lucas. Still trying to work remember. out how the first three episodes of that George Lucas. I mean, Gene Rodden. Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry. What? Star Wars. No, Star Trek. Oh, Star Trek, yeah. <laughs> Hit Andy with the Shatner stick. <laughs> One thing, I, 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 the first three episodes, I was still trying to work out how they can be from The Adventures of Luke Skywalker. Why is that? Unless they were just sperm. <laughs> the Adventures of, of, of Anakin's sperm. <laughs> Part of The Adventures of Luke Skywalker. <laughs> sperm. What was the Journal of the Wills? Who knows? Anyway, go on. You were talking about young Mr. Foster, because I, I, I recognise him from, uh, I think, the first Star Wars spin-off book, Splinter of the Mind's yes, Eye. Yes, Splinter of the Mind's mm-hmm. Eye, which I read many, many years ago and have completely forgotten what the uh, storyline's all about. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I actually went into a bookshop, mm-hmm, yes. the one in County Mail. Would that be W.H. Smith or Waterstones? Waterstones, in fact. And I looked Ka-ching. for a Alan Dean Foster book in the mm-hmm. sci-fi section, as yeah. you'd expect, and mm-hmm. they had none. Um, I didn't look in the film tie-in, no doubt there'd be a few Transformers. Yeah, there would be a few in there. And I'm surprised I didn't see any of his stuff in there. Mm, which is very unusual because, I mean, he is a very prolific author. Yeah. He normally, when he's not traffic, he does write a heck of a lot. I've got about, um, I'd say about 40 of his novels. Wow. Goodness. And, um, well, I've only just scratched the surface. I mean, that's only, that only accounts for about I'll say two-thirds of them. Something I was chatting to hmm. Purcell face about on our walk where I had a steak and a nice glass of red wine. And mushrooms. Yes. Um, it's a case of these writer chaps, and I'm even going so far as Karen, uh, who's not a chap. How do they... Get, I mean, people like JMS, for example. How do they keep coming up with ideas and being able to tell a whole story? I don't know. I so admire that, the sheer creativity. Mm, that's mm. it. Well, the majority of uh, Alan Dean Foster's work... How many books do you think he's actually done? You say you've got about 40. Uh, Say about well between sixty and seventy. Wow, he's almost up there with Terence, Barbara Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, up there with ter- sort of uh, Terry Pratchett, I'd say. I don't think Pratchett's done that many. He's <laughs> slowing down, isn't he, Pratchett? Mm. He's getting old, and he's got his acting commitment. He's only doing one a year now, deliberately. I'd say the majority of his novels do have um, a leaking, a linking feature, which um, is a... Scientology. <laughs> no. no, sorry, that's the wrong science fiction author. Elron. <laughs> Elron, yes. They're set in what's known as well, it's the uh, space of the Humanx Commonwealth. I mean, oh, just... this is all this Pip and Flink stuff. That's right, yes. Basically, the um, Humanx Commonwealth is an am- amalgamation between uh, the world settled by uh, humanity and uh, the Thranks, which are um, intelligent... Um... Thranks for the memory. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't throw things at me. <laughs> 
and the Thranks, which are um, intelligent uh, social insects. Obviously, um, well, as a, as a, well, I'll just I'll just say this as a retroactive step. Three of his novels, which he published over the past uh, three or four years, uh, Phylogenesis, Dirge, and um, Die Eternity's Dawn, they actually deal with the mechanics of the setting up of the Humanx Commonwealth, as, it, as it's known. And um, I suppose it's like um, Babylon 5 and other TV programs like that. I mean, they do have a continuing story arc in some of them. Yeah. As I say, I mean, uh, the novels I just mentioned, they deal with the uh, setting up of the Humanx Commonwealth, plus some of the pitfalls that happen along the way. In the first 20 years after the uh, initial first well, contact... Like 30 or 40 books. <laughs> Yeah, yeah the uh, first contact between humans and Thranks. Um, humanity makes first contact with another race called the Pitar. The what? Pitar. P-I-T-A-R. What do do bread? No, not... Yeah. <laughs> no, not none. Thranks for the Pitar. Canas and Domini. It's going to be a long... No, it's not going to be a long evening. <laughs> no. I put my foot down. Yes, and um, this... <laughs> I mean, this is very much a tale of do not ju- judge a book by its cover, because even though the Pitar were hu- well, humanoid, well, nine decimal places... What? What? Well, indistinguishable from humans. Ah, yeah. right, OK. Yes. Which is surprising in a book. Obviously, they do it in TV series and films for very good practical bun- oh, budget. Oh, it's think very possibly so. someone was looking forward to a film or TV deal Maybe. when he wrote them? <laughs> no, let me explain. All right. Yes, You're uh, not going to give away spoilers, are you? Mm-hmm. I'll just hit the high notes. <laughs> <laughs> this can be arranged. <laughs> well, basically, what happened was, um, even though the uh, in, well, the developing relationship between humanity and the Franks was still on very shaky ground for a while, humanity went all pitar crazy, adopting all their fashions, customs. But yeah. no, that's mankind on, a, on a very dark note, um, just at first, it seemed like the pitar were, uh, was treating humanity attentions with slight condescension. But then you found out there was a much more sinister purpose to this and um, it was found that a couple of a few ships went uh, missing in Pitar space you saw human ships yeah and it was found that the Pitar performing vis- uh, vivisection on the humans okay. find out how they work well it's very much a sort of Joseph Mengele style um, uh, view of treating humans basically they were just livestock to be ex- experimented on Interesting. and so that led to the uh, Earth Pitar Wars and um, the strengthening of the um, human Thranks uh, Commonwealth I see hmm. it sounds a bit Nazi-like, even sort of. So, I mean, in general, are they? Is that sort of mentality? Do they have jackboots? Yeah, which is another no, thing you see far too often in science fiction. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I mean, this is just one story in the um, Humanx Commonwealth even series. Firefly. Yeah, but um, well, the principal character. I mean, obviously, like, but the main character is um, a young human called Flinks. Oh, yeah. Otherwise known as uh, Philip Lynx. He was b- born on a world Around. called Moth. His guardian was um, an old lady known as Mother Mastiff. And uh, <laughs> Flinx, he had a very inquiring mind. And even at an early age, he was he was aware that he had developing mental powers. And uh, basically, sort of, the whole Flinx series you know, catalogues... Well, he's developing mental powers, plus his explorations you know, around um, the Commonwealth, and sort of meeting various people along the way, sort of battling various baddies, and finding out there is a great threat originating from the centre of the galaxy that threatens all of humanity, which is yet yeah. to be explained in the forthcoming novels that um, Alan Dean Foster writes. Uh, okay. Would this be a great threat of doom? Well, it's called The Great Darkness. <gasps> so that's probably the trick then, isn't it? If you want to write lots of novels, come up with a really good environment, a world, galaxy mm-hmm. or whatever, lots of races, and let them play. That's it. Mm, not really so. Babylon Fire did it mm. in June. So basically, like well, yes, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the World of Warcraft movie is going to be like then. <laughs> yeah. Come up with a world, put in lots of people and let them play. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you get your ideas from, yeah. Tell on. Right, another series of um, Alan Dean Foster's novels I particularly enjoyed was the uh, Spellsinger series. I mean, this is much more light-hearted, this was. What it concerns is um, a young man, a young college student called Jonathan Likes Thomas. Likes young men. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, called uh, Jonathan Thomas Merriweather, who by a trick of sort of science and sorcery gets tra- 
transported to another world yes. where animals walk and talk like humans. That's called Broadfield, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's Chavs. I found out what that stands for today. Mm. Found, I learned two things. What Chavs stands for and what Fox Poo looks like. So what does Chavs stand for? Council, house and violence. It's not true. not true. <laughs> I think Adam's about to try and find out. Mm-hmm. No, I looked it up in the uh, wiki today. What does it come stand for then? Derives from the Roman word Chavi, meaning a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's far too posh a description <laughs> or a derivation for the mm-hmm. word Chav. But people mm. have... You know, created acronyms for it now. Council House and Violent, Council House Associated Vermin, <laughs> Cheap and Vulgar, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> all, all of which are quite accurate. Indeed. In all fairness. But I'm, I'm so sorry. To right. mm. Unless he's a chav. No, he can write. Yeah. <laughs> You've got an education. Anyway, as I was saying, sorry. the Spill, <laughs> the spill Singer series concerns um, a young college student, uh, Jonathan Thomas Merriweather, who gets transported to a world in, in another dimension where uh, animals t- uh, walk and talk like humans. And uh, he was initially transported there by um, a magician, uh, a turtle by the name of, of uh, Clotherhump. That's the- a good name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very much a world. I mean, okay, so the animals walk and talk like humans, and uh, magic is very much a part of everyday life. See? Yeah. See, magic is very much a part of everyday life. It's a story. Yes. Uh, and, to uh, you, maybe. <laughs> yes, and, uh, well, this guy, uh, Jonathan Thomas, or as his name is sort of shortened to, John Tom, uh, he finds out he can work magic playing songs on a guitar. Oh, like Shatner. <laughs> well, much better. Did you notice <laughs> how I am avoiding making the obvious gag mm. about his name? Yes, I know. Anyway. Yes, I mean, if you start playing uh, Money by Pink Floyd, I mean, a small cloud would appear and lots of uh, silver coins would fall out of it. That's a great thing. Kill him. <laughs> well, not quite. Okay. <laughs> well, what would happen if he sang Where the Judder Man? I'm not too sure about that. People keep looking at the lyrics for that. God knows why. Planet it, <laughs> it goes over about five or six volumes. and uh, Sorry, I'm just singing Pink Floyd's Money. Money. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Save me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the same in the spell singer. Yeah, it documents his adventures around this mystical world until he finds an, a passage between the di- dimensions purely by accident. And um, at the end of the original, I think it's five novels, he's faced with a choice. I mean, do I stay here yes, or sort of live the life I've yep. made for myself amongst all my walking, talking, my animal friends? Yeah. Or do I go back to the life I used to live? There's an easy answer. What? Yeah, it plays, I think it's the, is it the Clash. Should I stay or should I go now? Yes. The magic would sort it out for him. <laughs> and he's giving me that look. <laughs> Encore. Encore. Right, and a couple more series of his books that I do. I mean, they're just trilogies, that's all. There's the uh, the Damned series, which can, uh, consists of The Call to Arms, The False Mirror, and The Spoils of War, which, I mean, obviously, by its very title, I mean, it, it's a war between two opposing alien species, which into which humanity gets dragged purely by accident. The whole premise of the stories is one of the one of the protagonists, this alien species, they genetically modify races to their own to their own own image, so to speak, yeah, to do their bidding. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the other hand, there are the other um, allied alien races who are obviously object, object to this and still believe that individuality and their own sort of specific species are traits. A question: mm-hmm. um, Good science fiction will reflect modern will reflect humanity and mm-hmm. stuff going on in humanity. Which is what I'm just about to say. You see, I'm telepathetic. The thing is, I mean, this war has been going on between these two, well, these two alliances, for want of a better term, for thousands upon thousands of years, without either side gaining any, any ground, so to speak, until humanity comes into the mix and find out that the side they ally with, they find out that humanity are just what they need in order to create a pivotal moment in this war, because they look upon 
mankind's warlike traits and the whole fact that they adopt, you know, adapt to this warlike situation so quickly and with such ease. I mean, that's why it's called, you know, the spoils of war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, these two alien races, I mean, they're sort of shocked and sort of horribly fascinated with the ease with which humanity adopts this situation. I'm trying to think, I mean, is, is, it, is it supposed to be sort of an indication of the old East-West Cold War stuff? Not so just... much Cold War, I mean, it just throws a mirror upon the um, the less appealing sides of humanity's behaviour, I suppose. So. I'd argue, I know it's, it's rarely shown in science fiction, you always get the kind of good aliens, the bad mm-hmm. aliens, but I think evolution is such that any species that have come to technological you know, sophistication mm-hmm. would have to be somewhat warlike to um, fight their way there. Yes and no. I, I, I mean... I ne- I was never convinced by the idea of these friendly aliens. <laughs> I think yeah, evolution doesn't work that way. You laughed at close it's, encounters, didn't you? It's survival of the fittest. It's always been survival of the fittest. That's evolution. Mm-hmm. So you get the but, kind of more warlike... But could you not eventually evolve out of the warlike thing if you've managed to become, become the dominant, altruist, the dominant life force mm. of the universe. Sorry? No. I'm either thinking Daleks or the Conservative Party. Mm. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I don't know. I doubt it. Boris for mayor, indeed. Well, that's a good look to him. It doesn't stand a Welk's chance in a supernova. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Please, no. It'd be a disaster. For London. We're yes. in London. It'd be a laugh for everyone else. <laughs> well, that's London, that is. <laughs> yeah, <it>? exactly. <laughs> Give the Daily Mail something to talk about. Well, I'm sure it will. Well, they're rooting for Boris. Oh, God. No. no. <laughs> but it's Alan Dean Foster, though. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, Alan Dean Foster. Yes, anyway. and uh, The other trilogy. Yes, another trilogy I particularly like. Uh, it's called the Lost series, and basically, it's... plane crash. <laughs> no, not a plane crash. Well, basically, it's um, the typical story of uh, a young man and his companion. In in this case, a talking dog. Oh, of course. Uh, being abducted from Earth. Um, it's not that typical a story. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it in the newspapers recently. Uh, no. Jamie the Magic Torch. Uh, y- yes, 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 yes. Yes, basically, they get abducted by Earth by these aliens uh, who boobly, abduct boobly, boobly. what they what they deem lesser species yeah, to be used as pets for uh, more advanced races. Okay. Mm. And so it's basically... theme coming here, isn't there, of humans <laughs> being... Uh, mm. And basically, uh, the three novels, Lost and Found, The Light Years Beneath My Feet, and The Candle of Distant Earth, chronicle the young man and this talking dog's... Well, attempts to get back to Earth. So why is it a talking dog? Because it's been genetically modified by, the, uh, by their captors. Ah, so oh, it okay. wasn't a talking dog to start with? <laughs> no. I thought, ah, okay, right. right, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, it was, okay. it was abducted from a back alley somewhere in Boston. Right, okay. Now, that that's slightly more that, typical uh, if you get rid of the alien abduction. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but how accessible is this? I am not a great reader of, for want of a better phrase, pure sci-fi. Hard uh, SF. I mean, I've, 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 I'm going to be honest with you, I've stopped, almost stopped buying books now. I used to buy an awful lot, obviously, the Doctor Who New Adventures and other occasional tie-in stuff, uh, but... Pure science fiction sends me to sleep. They, I think they tend to prefer SF, don't they, rather than science fiction. Mm, SF. Or sci-fi. Mm. SF is... What does that stand for? Science, science fiction. fiction. But there's a bit of a snobbery in the uh, literary world. Right. You have kind of science fiction, which is a bit dirty, is a bit TV, film, sci-fi. Whereas books are kind of hard SF. What a load of they... something <laughs> that's... What yeah. a load of male genitalia. <laughs> right. What a lot of bollocks. <laughs> 50p. It's the way it is, as I understand. I'm it. not editing the, 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 that. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. Anyway, so, yes. So, uh, how accessible is this chap? Mm, very accessible. He's got a decent writing style. Mm. Like... Have, yeah, very accessible. I mean, very easy to read. I mean, there are some authors I have found such heavy going. I mean, it's like yeah, I'd say about ten, fifteen years ago when cyberpunk was all the rage. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, William Trans- Gibson. Gibson is, is renowned to be completely incomprehensible, I mean, isn't he? It was like walking. Well, not walking. It's like wading through treacle. I mean, I'm sorry to say, cyberpunk is full of its own terminology that bears very little reference to the present day or things that we can identify so with. Back on yeah. Chavs again. You might be, but I don't want to know where you're <laughs> I mean, as I mean, I read the first novel, which was a Neuromancer. Was. I mean, everybody was raving about it. I managed to get through the book, but I mean, as I say, I mean, I did find it heavy going. But when I tried reading uh, Count Zero, which is the uh, second one. Ah, ah, ah. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> We've had more searches for Count Von Count. Yeah. He's <laughs> a popular chap. Yes. Mm. I mean, I just, I just run, found it such... Run, search. Sorry. I just found it such heavy going. It was incredible. It really was. And uh, Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa Overdrive, the uh, third book. I mean, I didn't even bother with. You're not I, the first to say that either. Mm. I have to admit, I am disappointed that nowadays there are no books apart from the odd Pratchett that really take my shine anymore. Because I love reading, but I'm now just rereading were... and rereading and rereading. To be fair, I think all you used to read was Doc Two books. <laughs> no, I mean, mm-hmm. you should say, I, I do have a library yeah. of, of, of books. That, yes, books. there is a Doctor Who section. And unlike some, I don't have the complete Target book collection. <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> yeah, you do, I've checked. Um, <laughs> I've got almost a complete New Adventure thing, but they were very, a very good book series. Mm-hmm. If you actually have a look, that's just a small part. I've got a load of other books, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah, some of them are Trek stuff. Uh, I think there's a Blake 7 novelization in there somewhere. Uh, but there's other stuff. There's autobiographies. There's all sorts of spy stuff. Mm. Um, some of the old Len Dayton, Ipcris, yeah, Harry Palmer, Harry yeah. Palmer stuff. I think I've got some Smiley somewhere. Um, Cow Smiley, Smiley culture. Oh dear, long day. Cow uh, smiley. So no, I mean, yeah, that Doctor was. I will admit, it was a, a large part, but that's because it was mm. such a good series to mm-hmm. read. Yeah, but as I say, I mean, try smelling Dean Foster. I mean, he's a very good author. I'm I mean, so sorry. I thought you just said try smelling Dean Foster. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Try him. Sort of mean. If if not for the um, Humanx Commonwealth novels, he's written loads of standalone novels, which which are very entertaining. Give mm. us one book, one book which definitive, we, yeah, that you think anybody could just go out and buy and jump into and read without needing to worry about it being part. It could be the first book of a trilogy, maybe, or, mm-hmm. or something like that, but without needing to know anything about any previous books or something like that. Give us a, a book that we could go and get. All right. If you like your science fiction with a twist of humour in it, I mean, I can recommend a couple of novels here. I mean, there's one called Catalyst. Right. Or another one called Glory Lane. Or, if you like your science fiction to hit the ground running, I'd recommend The Ironside or To the Vanishing... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Ironside hitting the ground running. No, the eye inside. Oh, oh I sorry, inside. I'm thinking of Ironside. Me too. Detective in a wheelchair. <laughs> Don't want to know the look on Andy's face at the moment. <laughs> Or another one called Cyberway. Mm, okay. Mm. I mean, I'd say... My tongue. should set up an Amazon uh, links page, and we can get a bit of money ah. out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd recommend any of those novels, because, I mean, they're very indicative of uh, Alan Dean Foster's writing style. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. Okay, good. Yep, wonderful. Now, right now, I'm about to eat a flake. That is such a disgusting sight. Mm. Mm. Only the crumbiest. 
flakiest chocolate. Do you know what to watch a man flake like chocolate? <laughs> never tasted before. Uh, flate flake. Yeah. No. Good one, Crumbly. Thank you very much for that. My pleasure. Um, it might expand my reading horizons away from DWM. Well, the flake expanded something there, but... I... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just do it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh. Oh, I'll start that again. Just do it. Bomb Iraq. Texas Electric Chair Company. <laughs> just do what? Just do what? Either that or, or the local. Or local brothel. Yeah. Again. Um, <clears throat> see a theme here. Yeah. Reach out and touch someone. Michael Jackson Limited. Catholic Priesthood. <laughs> Local brothel. <laughs> the choice of a new generation. Alice mm-hmm. Band Glasses Limited. <laughs> Not too sure about this one. I've got American Democrats. All right. Okay. Snap, Crackle and Pop. Three Mile Island. American Interrogators League. Uh, bad Podcasts Are Us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, Adam has, um, unfortunately... Had a slight moment of confusion <laughs> when getting the next one. Um, Is that what? steak and uh, mm. chips? Uh, well, uh, well, I, well, I had the glass of red wine. With ah, my steak. Merlot. Um, Adam's written down, what do you want today? And whereas it should be, where do you want to go today? It should, I think, yeah. I, put, I mean, I prefer the modern soft version. But, yeah, me um, too. Mm, which is? Uh, well, what do you want today? But uh, where do you want to go today? Well, what I've got here, what do you want to do today? Take over the world. <laughs> Where do you want to go to, Go today? Special editions are us. I've got Prison Officers Association. Yep. And they sort of stand there, open up. Oi, where do you want to go today? No, the shower stuff. block, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> the last one, which is possibly going to get us sued. Yep. Touching is good. Michael Jackson. Again, Catholic Priesthood's old motto. You have to change it, unfortunately, for some reason. See local brothel. <laughs> okay. Um, the last one being Nintendo for the DS, in case anybody's watching. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I'd just like to disassociate myself with a majority of comments made this evening, <laughs> and in fact, on the whole website over the past nearly six years. Quite oh, frankly, no, including ones made by myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, so fair yeah. Well, yes. Quite frankly. So, um. That feedback. Feedback. Now we did have genuine feedback. Yes, we did. Our very first proper piece of feedback to the show um, email address, which is show at staggeringstories.net. Um <laughs> I'm a little disheartened. We've we know how many of you are listening to us. Email us, guys. Let us know what you think. Come up with suggestions for us. Tell me to shut up. These two do frequently. It um, doesn't work. <laughs> nope, of course not. I listen to nobody except the tiny little orchestra in my head. The voices. And head of Pertwee. <laughs> dear. Um, but uh, one question we had was, why on podcast uh, series one, number three, yep. was the word... Bleep. Yes, bleeped out. Bleeped out. <laughs> and I'm going to hand you over to Adam to that, because I left it in the edit. Uh, no, I did not. No. T- tell us why. Basically, um... On iTunes, which is where most people probably find our podcast, there is two categories, effectively. There are two categories. Sorry, there are two categories. Yes. There is a couple of categories. There are a couple of categories. <laughs> anyway. Uh, one is a normal podcast. Another, you get a tag saying explicit under your name. <laughs> 
And when you get the explicit tag, obviously people may be a bit wary. It basically puts you in the same category as porno podcasts. I can't they put some sort of funky bass guitar behind And, you know, for one word, is it worth being in that category? Probably not. My real reasoning behind controlling the language is that we're covering programs like Doctor Who, Star Trek, Star Wars... Things like that, which you don't find swearing in, generally speaking. So, if we're covering that stuff, perhaps we should have the same standard. Hmm, interesting. I find it slightly difficult, because I do swear. You do? I I, I do, unfortunately. Despite you having complained about like radio swearing. (laughs) Sopranos too, I believe, at one point. Sopranos? Yeah. There's, There's a certain word I don't approve of being used. Flip. Shatner? (laughs) <laughs> um, L. Ron Hubbard Scientology is a fake money making cult yes. it is not a religion do what you like <laughs> oh, that's staying in maybe not the original comment but <laughs> whatever any that... lawsuits may be directed in the tone of Mr. Yeah, Anthony Galachon <laughs> right um, so that's the reason why the swearing got bleeped yeah it's time. not as if it's a big part of the podcast with lug radio they're swearing all the time. And at first they started to try to bleep it out with amusing animal sounds. But it just it wasn't practical. <laughs> well, we did something very similar in the last podcast, which is essentially me saying, insert naughty word here. Indeed, I tell you, we haven't heard the final idea. <laughs> <laughs> I might change my mind and use amusing animal sounds. <laughs> it didn't really Man. work. I have actually got Hanna- a whole load of Hanna-Barbera sound effects. <laughs> okay. So, um, that's that's the main reason. Uh, that was a reply to Kula. Yep. Um, who is a noob. Yeah. A noob. And this, is, this basically is what happens when Adam gets his hands on my final edit. <laughs> I think the rest of it was for the better, but you probably noticed that particularly. Yes. In no, in all fairness, uh, I did screw up the edit last on issue, th- issue three. Uh, <laughs> number three. Uh, hopefully number four is going to be a bit better. But I haven't done the final mix of that yet. Uh, I'm starting to get confused as to which day's which now. Yeah, me um, too. Well, I'm on holiday, so. And mind you, since we start <laughs> recording this, uh, this short piece of recording, which has been going on for one hour fifty now, <laughs> um, it won't be that long by the time you hear this. Mm, we will oh, I'm now. going to be merciless. Merciless. Um, Mercy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> basically, uh, we have received some letters. You've got one there. I have. And who's it from? I think you can guess, I certainly can, looking at the handwriting. <laughs> right. Um, uh, go on, surprise us. Dear Please team. Dear um, team. Right, let's yes. just... Hmm, who could that possibly be from? You've all done very well. Yours, uh, George McFadden. George McFadden, our boss. I'm sure he just, he's written a hundred of these and just, and just sends them out them every out. couple mm, of weeks. Form letter. Yeah. Mm. I've got one here. Um, dear Staggering Stories... We here at the Church of Shatnerology are deeply distressed at the severe lack of prominence of his captainess, William T. Shatner. Mm. Please find enclosed a voucher for five free swimming lessons (laughs) to culminate in a pool party. Yours, his divine wigginess, William T. J. Shatner, Mrs. 
all dead. loose suits direct lo- loose suits loose suits all loose seats directed to loose seats yes <laughs> do you have one now yes I do right. ah, it's got an American postmark so I'm assuming yes. it's alright well here I am sitting in my leather chair doing my best Cyril Fletcher <laughs> There's no answer to that one. No, Let's just say he's gone cross-eyed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's from our esteemed colleague Keith. Ah. Mm. How's he doing? Yeah, he's gonna hate us again. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, we're being berated again, I'm afraid. Yeah, well, that's your you. fault. It's not mine. It's nothing to do with mm. me whatsoever. And it begins. You bastards. Oh dear. Yes, I'm afraid so. You sent me to Texas to see if America's got talent. <laughs> talent? <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> I have just got serenaded by David Hasselhoff and Kit. Ooh. Mm, singing I Got You, Babe. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. You lot are so dead. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been worse. He could have had an invitation to a pool party. Mm. Uh, we're dead twice over now. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, floating. <laughs> Floaters, yeah. Mm, dear. Uh, can this podcast get any more tasteless? <laughs> we can try. <laughs> we can try. <laughs> so, uh, am I the only island? island of sanity here? Mm, yes. Sanity? <laughs> Such a relative <laughs> term. Insanity laughs. Staring story. Uh, mm. Well, that's um, it for this particular podcast. Yep. Please do Email us. Don't make me come around where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I do. He does it all over the place. It's <laughs> a disgusting mess. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going away now. Bye-bye. No, 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 I'm sorry. That's glad to be cut. That's up there with the little explicit label. <laughs> no, no, no. Not at all. Doodles. Mm. Yeah. And this is me signing off. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not going to say anything about him saying that now. I'm going to ignore it. This is me ignoring it, deliberately ignoring it. You have been listening to the Staggering Stories podcast, series one, number five, featuring Adam J. Purcell, Andy Simpkins, and Tony Galishaw. The views expressed here are those of the speaker and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers or the site. No copyright infringement is intended, and this podcast is a McFadden Publishing production for www.staggeringstories.net. It was alternative three. Hello, good evening, and welcome. I want to be the Queen of Hearts. Mad. Hello, save me.